Hey, you're listening to Beth with Beth and Louise Hate Movies.blogspot.com. This is episode number five, Will It Blend, where the girls take a look at young independent horror director Adam Weingard. We start with 2011's Your Next, which finally opened for wide release last weekend, then move on to his 2010 picture, A Horrible Way to Die. As always, we want to know what you think, so skate on over to the blog at Beth and Louise Hate Movies.blogspot.com or leave us a comment on iTunes. Louise from Beth and Louise Hate Movies. And this is Beth. And this week we are celebrating Adam Weingard, the horror director. Um, we will be discussing two of his movies, his most recent film that just was uh, released on wide release, Your Next. It was uh, made in 2011, but was just released on wide release this past weekend. Um, and then afterwards, we're going to be discussing one of his older and smaller films, uh, A Horrible Way to Die, which was released in 2010. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do want to warn you before we get started that at some point during this, we will be discussing spoilers both in Your Next and in A Horrible Way to Die. Uh, but before we do that, we will give you some warning. So if you haven't seen these movies and you don't want them spoiled for you, you can shut it off. Or if you're like us and you don't care about spoilers, you can keep listening anyway. Or but if you've already seen it. <laughs> yeah, or if you've already seen it, then you can listen to that also. Uh, uh. All right. Both do have little twists, though. And it's it's really hard to talk about these. I, I normally try to avoid spoilers, but um, it's really hard to talk about both of these movies without giving away key plot details. Um, because the, the movie, in a lot of ways, kind of stands and falls on some big twists. So, yeah, you'll want to, um, let's so start. start with your next. All what right. You about this movie, Beth? Um, okay, here's the thing. I saw The Conjuring about a month ago, so my, uh, my love affair with the horror movie of the year, like, my, my heart's already been won. So I think in a lot of ways, it was really hard for me not to... Yeah, I, I love horror movies, and it was really hard for me not to walk into this comparing this with what I kind of saw as being the the coup de grace of uh, of major horror horror releases this past year. So, um, I think it was really hard for me not to look for flaws. But I don't I don't want to nitpick right off the bat. I thought this was this was a hugely entertaining movie. Um, I had a blast. I, I it's not a perfect movie. It's definitely got some flaws. Um, but I was, it definitely held my attention. I was having a ton of fun. I really enjoyed this. Um, see, that's really interesting because actually my first thing I was going to say about this film is I did not have fun while I was watching your next for the most part. Really? And here's why. So I think I also agree with you in terms of mid budget horror that I just thought was awesome this summer. I really did love the conjuring. Yeah. It's going to be hard to top that. Yeah, absolutely. But here's what I would say about Your Next. Um, so for those of you who haven't seen it, Your Next is basically an update on the home invasion film. It's the story of a large, wealthy family, an older couple who's uh, celebrating their 35th anniversary, and their four children and their partners all come up to this house, this enormous, mostly unfinished home out in the woods to celebrate a weekend together. Um, and... The first scene of the movie is we see that one of their next door neighbors in this uh, huge home in the woods, uh, a couple where there's an older gentleman who then is dating a college student. They're killed brutally by people in animal masks. And then those same people with animal masks apparently then come and attack the the celebrating couple, the anniversary, the couple having their anniversary and their four children. Um 
and, you know, chaos and blood and disgustingness ensue. Uh, but, this movie had a lot to say about college professors dating students, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of time spent on that. She gets up several times. I wasn't really sure why they that was a plot point. But yeah. at any rate, then what ends up happening is one the fiancé of one of the sons, a woman named Erin, who was apparently raised in the Australian outback, happens to be really, really good at killing people and at fortifying a house. So instead of the typical home invasion movie like you might see with The Strangers, or something along those lines where the family is just lambs to the slaughter waiting to be killed. Mm-hmm. In this case, instead, the family is pretty well equipped to take on the invaders because they have this girl who they didn't know, the fiancé, who happens to be awesome at killing people. I loved her character. Okay, so talk, starting with what worked, I love Aaron's character. Oh my gosh, she was the perfect antidote to years of watching women in horror movies just lose their heads and get butchered. Like, she was tough, she was smart, she was fun, she kept her cool. I, I loved what, her ingenuity with coming up with ways to fortify the house. I, I just had a blast watching her. Yeah, and from the beginning, she is the most calm of all the characters, and the most able to deal with the crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and we learn more about why that is as the movie goes along. But I absolutely agree. In terms of a powerful female protagonist in a horror movie, which I don't think we hardly ever see, I was no. by that. Yeah, no, I mean, it, I was kind of having flashbacks to, she was sort of Jamie Lee Curtis all grown up. You know, like in Halloween, Jamie Curtis is kind of the survivor character who who does keep it together and does get away. But this was, this was Jamie Lee Curtis on crack. Like this was, this wasn't just getting away. This was fighting back and being a a force to be reckoned with. I, I had a lot of fun with her character. Yeah, I did too. So I thought that was really good. I liked that. Um, I was having fun toward in the last third of the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. when I feel like the movie finally discovered its tone. One thing that I one thing that I thought was so not fun about the movie for the first two thirds is it just it was bleak gore fest family members being killed and watching other families members being killed. And that is impossible for me to have fun watching. Um, but then in the last third of the movie, once we really did have Aaron's character coming to into her own and fighting back in incredibly inventive ways, um, and some really creative kills. That was actually really fun to watch, and I enjoyed the tone then, but I felt like it took a really long time for the movie to figure out what tone was actually working. Yeah, that's, and that's, this movie is, tonally, it is kind of hard to classify, because I, I think the reason why I was having so much fun with it, um, the middle, the middle third is eh, not so great, um, and kind of, it, it took them just a little long, not, not too, it was not inexcusable, it took them a little long to get to the action, um, but I, um, I, I, I think that what worked at the first part was the fact that it actually was genuinely scary. Uh, the, the last third's not really, but, um, but there are some genuinely really creepy moments. Um, while overall the opening sequence isn't particularly inspired, it, maybe this is just my own, my own personal anxieties coming up. I think the idea of being aware that someone is in your house is just, absolutely terrifying so him seeing the you know the 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 kind of the calling card the your next written on the wall and you mean the father seeing your next written on the wall yeah him and um even in that first scene the uh the neighbors okay um so in the first scene when we see the other unrelated family the the other unrelated couple being killed 
Uh, what happens? The man is killed first. No, the girl is. The girl, yeah. is, and that's and that it's pretty uninspired as far as opening sequences go. It's basically couple is in their house. The lady's wandering around by herself. She gets killed. Husband finds her bo- boyfriend finds her body. He gets killed. So, um, but it is. I, I don't know. Maybe it just tra- taps into that kind of primal fear, like the the anxiety of realizing that th- those few minutes before you get axed, realizing that somebody's in your house with a who's not supposed to be there. And um, and I really did think you know there's a sequence where the um someone is in a bedroom by themselves. In the this is kind of getting spoilery, I guess. It's um, fifteen minutes. It's not really. A yeah, actually, it's pretty early on. But I thought the scene where the the lady was on the bed and you see that there's somebody underneath the bed, of like that was genuinely pretty creepy. I thought. Okay, here's my thing though. Mm-hmm. I felt like the movie wasn't scary because the first thirty minutes of the movie, there were a lot of moments that felt like a Goosebumps novel. Yes. Like, we kept being set up for these jump scares. So, you Oh, my can- gosh, yes. Okay, here's my thing with jump scares. The number one reason why they are so cheap, I think, is because nine out of ten times when something jumps out and scares you, it's like, a few, it's somebody else in the family. It's not actually it's not actually yeah. a danger. And this movie is horrible about that. It did it a million times. And the reason why I think, you know, Louise and I have been talking a lot about why we thought Conjuring worked so well. Every time something jumped out at you at the Conjuring, it was terrifying. It was well. The the sources of the jump scares in the Conjuring were yeah. nearly always malicious, real ghosts, yeah, ghostly spirits in the house. Intending to do harm to the family. Yeah. In this movie, they, in this movie, in your next, the first 30 minutes, whenever there's a jump scare, it'll be because one of the family members has gone upstairs because they think one of the murderers is in the house and they, they shut end up being right. right. <laughs> well, and they end up being right, but then they shut a closet door and one of their own children is behind it and we get a lot, a loud, uh, instrumental yeah playing to signal their arrival and it's supposed to be scary but it's you know oh they're just teasing you yeah and it's not and i felt so i actually felt during the first part of this movie like i was being really manipulated that was pretty that was pretty grating yeah so that was that was annoying and it wasn't scary the other thing that didn't work in this movie was the movie got so much better once all of the cast members i didn't care about died yes yeah, there were so many characters. I went as soon as I saw the killer coming up behind them, and they're going, "Thank God!" Yeah, there's like twelve <laughs> characters in this house. I think if you found them all, no, maybe ten. There's ten people in this there's house. There's four couples, and then the parents. Yeah, so ten. Yeah, ten people. That is four killers. Characters. Yeah. And except that you need extra people to die horribly, I guess. Yeah. But the bottom line was all. So all of them were annoying. The the uh, parents were such laughably bad actors and actresses. They were... Okay, they, I, I looked this up on IMDb, and it turns out they actually are the ages they're supposed to be in the movie. I thought they looked distractingly young. Really? Like, too young to be their parents. And it turns out that, yeah, like, they were born in 59, and then the kids were... The actors and actresses who played the kids were born in, like, 83. So it actually does work out. Oh, I didn't care about that. I just I thought... thought- I thought the mom looked really weirdly young to be their parent. Um, but yeah, possibly. But I also just thought they were terrible. A- she was a terrible actress. Yeah. She was the dad. Yeah. Um, yeah. So once all of those extra characters who were, you know, snooty and pretentious, and the movie spends a lot of time showing us how pretentious all of these characters are, but not anything else we should care about. about okay. Them. 
can I cut you off? You know who that first, um, the first guy who gets killed, the pretentious filmmaker? Yeah. Do you know who that is? Is it Adam Weingard? No, it's Ty West. No, really? Yeah, that was totally Ty West. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah, yeah, just a little fun thing. I, I don't know, I thought that was funny. That was a nice little bit of self-mockery at the indie horror world, you know, having Ty West play a pretentious filmmaker. <laughs> well, I didn't know that. At any rate, the bottom yeah. line is, all of these characters were one-dimensional and pretentious and not interesting. We didn't care about them when they died, except that it's always hard watching family members lose other family members. Yeah. So I didn't, I felt like that was why I wasn't scared. I didn't really care if they all died because they weren't really interesting and they didn't seem to care very much about each other. So I thought, I, I don't know. Overall, my takeaway from this movie is the last third was really solid. The tone was great. It really hit this madcap, fun, campy sort of horror stride towards the end. Mm-hmm. Aaron's, the main character, Aaron, was fantastic. She was actually a pretty powerful, compelling, scary protagonist. Um, but nothing else worked in terms of total lack of foreshadowing, lack of investment in any of the characters, unacceptably bad acting in way too many people in that's, this movie. All that's fair. I, 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 part of it, too, is that I think the extent to which you find the first third scary is really just contingent on how scary you find the idea of home invasions in general. Um, for me, I we both live alone, but um, for me, home invasions are just about the scariest thing I can think of. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think just the just in itself, the idea putting yourself in the position of knowing there's someone in your house who's not supposed to be like that that just creeps me. Just even saying that sentence kind of creeps me out. <laughs> so, um, so I, I guess in that respect, I'm just more easily impressed than Louise's. But I think that all of your complaints are completely legit. That said, there were a few. It's there's a few. There there were a few really solid moments I thought before the movie hit that last third pandemonium. Um, I, I loved the when Amy Simon sprinted out the front door. Yeah, I loved that. I thought that was I was not impressed by that. Really? I did not think that was funny or scary or I just thought it was really clever. It was really, yeah, kind of shocking. Um because I guess what you're expecting so much is um yeah, you know, you're expecting one of them to get her yeah, you know, yeah, it's pretty early on still, but um I guess what I was expecting so much was one of the killers to get her and it takes you a second to figure out how she actually died. Um the trip wire across Yeah, the piano wire. Um I actually thought that was pretty clever. I I liked that. Um and then there's just there are just a few really good shots. Like I loved the shot of the when he cha- the one of the killers chases the lady who gets away from the house successfully in the neighbor's house, and you see him sitting on the couch next to the guy the guy with the arrow in his forehead. Oh, that was actually that was a good image. The man in the sheep's mask sitting there. That whole sequence I thought was pretty. Pretty pretty creepy. Um, that was creepy. I really yeah. I, I thought that moment was great. I thought that the killer under the bed was great. I thought the um 
I thought the piano wire across the front door was great. So yeah, I mean, there were definitely there were major flaws. Yeah, the acting, the script writing, the dearth. You know, the, the I, I never know which way dearth means if it's too many or too little. The 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 uh, what dearth is a lack of. Oh, okay, my mistake. Sorry. The the superfluous number of characters. Um, all of that is totally legit. But that said, I think there was enough fun in it to make it worthwhile. Um, and I thought it was kind of, I thought it was pretty creepy. It wasn't, it wasn't terrifying, but I mean, it was, it was definitely creepy. Uh, if you're going to go see a mid-budget studio horror film, go see, go see Conjuring. Uh, sure, sure, sure. And the, there, there is such a, there's a major tonal shift to, and th- this is spoilers. Um, there, Wait, hang on, do we want to do spoilers later? Do, we can. Sh- I I really don't have too much to say about the first two acts. Okay, then let's let's do a break here. Okay. This. Okay. Now we're going to discuss spoilers in your next. This is the last third of the movie. The only part Louise liked. Yep. Because <laughs> Louise, Louise is no fun. Sorry. I can't believe you didn't like the piano wire. I I don't. It just did nothing for me. I was like, Meh. oh man, I I just I jumped. I was, yeah, I was kind of surprised. But anyways, um, yeah, that I'm sick and disgusting and horrible. But anyways, um, yeah. So the last third of the movie, everything kind of goes to hell when you discover that, um, that two of the family members were in on it, which I kind of saw coming the entire time. I felt like that was such a lame, obvious twist. Yeah, yeah, and that's I. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, as soon as the killers weren't silent, creepy people in masks, they were immediately not scary anymore. I could not agree with you. Yes. As soon as the mask came off, I was entirely not scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because what is so creepy, I think, about masked home invaders is the fact that, like, you can't, there isn't really any reasoning with them. Like, this idea of somebody who just came to your house to kill you because they like killing people. Like, that's horrifying. But when you find out that they they have identities, they have relationships within the groups, they grieve the other people who get killed in the group, and they are doing this for money, and... Yeah, the, the, they're just bought, they're paid to do all yeah, of it. Yeah, they're, 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 they're superhumanized right quality. off the bat. Which I'm sorry, they're superhumanized then, right off the bat, which makes them not scary at all. Um, it actually kind of makes them sort of tragic figures. I thought. Yeah, I was like, oh man, it sucks to be a murdering mask. And I was like, oh, you guys are too young to get mixed up in this. <laughs> like, yeah, I, and like, I don't want to feel bad for them. Like, they should be the subject of a drug-free campaign. Yeah, no, exactly. I kind of felt horrible for them. Like, oh man, I'll bet his dad beat him when he was a kid. <laughs> Oh, he lost his brother, but there's the only person in the world who loved him. I don't care. Like, no, no, that's not what horror movies are for. You're not supposed to feel bad for Michael Myers. You want him to, you know, you want yeah, to get his head cut off. Terrified of him, exactly. Yeah. So I was not. As soon as the masks came off, they they lost me in that. They as far as horror goes, they totally lost me from the dread perspective. But fortunately, Aaron was there to pick up the slack and to keep this movie from totally creating off the rails. So, um, the only part that I thought was actually surprising was when it turned out that Crispin had been on it too. Yeah, 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 totally. And then, um. Yeah, so much changes about the end, because at the end, it kind of does turn into the, 
sort of gleeful madcap gore fest, which it really wasn't until that point. But that part was fun. Like, yeah. When Aaron goes into the kitchen and uh, takes the time to plug in a blender and then cram it into the dude's head. Okay, this is what I was thinking when I was watching this guy's head get blended. I wish my food processor could do that. I know, right? My food like, mine can barely handle bananas. <laughs> it can definitely not go through a skull. Like, I can't even make quinoa flour in mine. Like, whatever whatever blender they were using in that... Like, talk about product placement. I want to know yeah. what blender... They use. I want to know if that's a Vitamix. <laughs> yeah. I want to know the blender they use to destroy that guy's skull because that's a hell of a blender. <laughs> Anyways, but anyway, so I thought that last bit was fun. That felt like Evil Dead campy goofball murder. You well, know, the, the dread at that point was completely gone. Um, oh yeah, you're not scared anymore. Then you just want to be entertained at the inventive. The inventive ways this lady finds to protect herself while in a kitchen. Yeah. Um, and I liked the shot of her answering the phone, sitting between the blender, the guy with the blender on his head, and the girl with the knife in her skull. Yeah, and I was like, jeez. <laughs> that, that, that was a great shot. That was, that was a great shot. And then when she realizes that Crispin is involved in all of it, and then when she goes into the... Uh, the I laughed at this part. When she then goes into the lobby and talks to Crispin... And Crispin points out the the fact that she's really good at killing people, sort of threw a wrench in anything. That Every, part was kind of fun. That part was funny. And I, when she's explaining, you know, like, well, where's my brother? It's like, well, I put a blender in his head. <laughs> where's his girlfriend? I put a skull in her head, too. I, I put a knife in, her knife in her skull, too. And, like, that part is actually pretty funny and ridiculous and over the black comedy over the top. And I liked the way all of that ended. And I liked and the we way got- that- we got the payoff, the long-expected payoff of the, the booby trap over the front door. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, it was kind of an afterthought, but I actually kind of, because I kind of thought that was going to be the big coup de grace scene that Felix or Crispin were going to get axed in the face. I thought so, too. And then we, the police officers who we totally forgot about are yeah. the ones who get the axed in the face. Yeah. So I liked the way it ended. I loved that last third. It so definitely like, turns into black black comedy, horror, all-out all crazy madcap gore fest in the last third. And it's it has its own charm in that in that part. It's it's definitely not scary. But it's sure, yeah, that's the bottom line. It's sure not scary. Yeah. Um, and if they had kept that tone the whole time, I probably would have enjoyed it a lot more. Or if they could have found a way to actually make it creepy and then stuck with that, I would have enjoyed that, too. See, and that's, I guess, the latter that you described, that was my experience with this film. I kind of got the opening part where I actually did. I, I wasn't scared, but I was definitely creeped out. Um, you know, you get a little bit of a little bit of creepiness, and then you get, you know, Aaron, the total boss, laying down the hurt on the home invaders. Um Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. All right. So, overall, before we move on to A Horrible Way to Die, so we give your next a mixed recommendation. I'm going to say three stars out of four. I'm saying two. You're saying two? Okay. If we were doing stars, I would say two. I'd give the last third three. If we were Roger Ebert, that's a, yeah. That's Which we are not. Which we're not. <laughs> <laughs> Someday. <laughs> Someday, Louise. (laughs) All right, let's move on to A Horrible Way to Die. Okay. All right, so just like with your next, we're going to start out talking about A Horrible Way to Die without spoilers, um, and then we'll have a section where we talk about the end of Horrible Way to Die, because that's really what makes this film interesting anyway. 
Um, but so we'll give, but we'll give you plenty of warning before we actually get into any spoilers. Before we get started, uh, mm-hmm. Beth, would you mind giving a brief summary to Horrible Way to Die so people know what we're talking about? Yes. Um, a Horrible Way to Die is uh, Adam Weingart's first film, and it stars Amy Simek, A.J. Bowen, and Joe Swanberg. No, I did not mix up the cast, in, the cast list with... Um, your neck with your necks. You're just the same people. Same people. Um, and it is about Sarah, who is played by Amy Simmons, who is uh, a nurse and is an Alcoholics Anonymous and is trying to put her life back together and uh, meets and falls in love with a guy named Kevin, who is also in her in her Alcoholics Anonymous group. Um, it turns out, though, that the reason Sarah is an alcoholic is because her boyfriend, Garrick, is a serial killer and it was serving life sentences before he decided to break out of prison and start looking for Sarah. So uh, we've got a love triangle, sort of. Sort of. Yeah. Kind of. But, uh, All right. What worked in this movie, Beth? Without spoilers. Cause we'll oh, man. So much worked. So much worked. Um but it is compl- I I I really liked I really liked Amy Simons in the lead. I really liked um I really liked AJ Bowen as the um is the serial killer. I really liked Joe Swanberg as the love interest. I thought the script was really solid. I thought the acting was really solid. I I really enjoyed the performances. I liked the a lot of people say that this movie is kind of sluggish. It's it's not perfectly paced, that's for darn sure. It does take a while for the action to heat up, but I, I kind of like that slow burn pot boiler. I um, I did too. It, yeah. My biggest. So what I thought worked best about this movie, first of all, in terms of tone, it has nothing in common with your next. Until no, 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 no. Um, if you liked your next, that is absolutely no guarantee that you'll like this movie. Yeah. What? So a horrible way to die has the tone of a an American indie horror film or even or just an American independent film in that it's a very understated score. We never talked about how bad the score was in your next, by the way, but uh, no fun. I liked it. Okay. well, anyway, but in a horrible way to die as a very understated score, very understated dialogue. um, The tone is really bleak. It's a lot of dark winter scenes. Yeah. The camera is continually out of focus. Much of the film is silent Mm -hmm. and just people looking at each other with sad faces. It felt a lot like winter. It it was shot a lot like winter's bone is what it reminds me of. And that's what I mean by that sort of bleak, detached, independent film tone. Yeah. We felt like, yeah. Um, But I thought the tone of the movie really worked. I really liked the understatement. Um, because a lot of the acting, so a lot of the main character, Sarah, a lot of this movie is about her intense anxiety that this escaped serial killer and her ex-boyfriend is going to come and find her. And I liked that the movie was really understated. We didn't have a lot of scenes of freaking out panic. It was mostly a lot of moody scenes. Revealing, creeping dread. Yeah, creeping yeah. dread. A lot of moody reflections and memories of uh, the life she'd had with this man before he was uh, sentenced to prison. Mm-hmm. And I thought all of that understatement actually worked really nicely. I didn't feel this movie plotted at all. Yeah. I felt like we were boiling up towards a very creepy ending, which yeah. the ending kind of let me down, but whatever. Oh, I yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk about We'll that. talk about that in spoilers. What, um, else do you, what else worked or didn't work for you? I think that yeah, I, so everything you said, um, 
this is going to sound really silly and really nitpicky, but I kind of hated the title. Um, because the title seems like it's kind of a misdirection because a horrible, the idea, it, it, I guess I kind of went into this thinking like Adam Weingart, he was involved in both VHS movies. He made this slasher home invasion movie. And then, you know, it's such a schlocky title, like a horrible way to die. I guess I kind of, I, I guess you can't really judge a film by, you know, everything surrounding it. But it did, it did feel a little bit like a misdirection. But I, but it was misdirected away from something I was very happy with, uh, this sort of independent drama feeling of a of the script and story. Um, yeah, no, I... I was okay with the title. What? I was okay with the title. Okay. I, I, it seemed a little bit, it seemed a little bit like a fake out, but... Um, but yeah, no, I, I I thought that all the leads were were great. Um, they did a really solid. Yeah, I mean they're not like the most memorable performances, but they 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 did that understated indie film perf- gig really well. I yeah, thought. I agree. I thought it felt, was very, it felt very real. Like w- whenever you saw Sarah and Kevin interacting one on one, I felt like I was watching an actual couple. Yeah, I agree. A couple who was actually trying to figure out how to negotiate a history of trauma and how you explain that to someone new. All that felt really real. To yeah, me. their gentle humor. Their, there's some really great, there's not a lot of on-screen violence. Um, and that, that's another thing I really liked about it is that most of the deaths that result from this serial killer making his way towards Sarah are, um, they're, they're kind of, they, they just appear in these, sort of sad reveals more than more than horrifying murder sequences, you know? Like he um there's, there's one part the part I remember the best is when the serial killer opens up the door use um of his bathroom in his hotel room and you see that he has a he has a body in his in his tub in his bathtub. And it's just kind of sad, really. He sits down and cries and Yeah. Yeah, and I, I reveling in the glory. It's as if they're, you're talking, you're looking at a man who has a horrible compulsion that he can't get under control, yes. which is really nicely backdropped against. So Sarah, the lead character, meets her new boyfriend in Alcoholics Anonymous, um, and there's a lot of time spent ruminating on what that means to be to have developed an addiction in the face of trauma into practice to learn to overcome that addiction there's a lot of scenes in the sessions too yeah yeah there's a lot of scenes at alcoholics anonymous mm-hmm. and it's and it really shows her trying to figure out how to how to fight this addiction in the aftermath of the trauma she's experienced um and a lot of i felt the movie was trying to draw a parallel to her addiction to alcohol to his compulsive need to murder yeah. um because it, yeah. there wasn't a lot of glorification of the violence he was doing most of it wasn't done on screen what we mostly saw was him in the aftermath regretting his actions or yeah not even regretting humanizes him probably too much but just hurting lo- from the reality of it yeah yeah and um and that's what that that's why i think he's such a cool character is that he's not the he's not the sexy smart hannibal lecter toying with police mastermind like he's just he's a man with a violent compulsion yeah he does something that we don't hate I didn't feel bad for him, mm-hmm. but I also did, but I thought the film did a nice job of, instead of building our sympathy, at least leading us to recognize that this is clearly a compulsion beyond his control. Yeah. One he doesn't seem to gl- glean pleasure from. Yeah, it was um, a very interesting twist on the serial killer trope. 
Yeah, and correspondingly, we don't glean any any pleasure from watching him kill these people either. Yeah. I I liked. Yeah. Okay. Anti your next in that respect, isn't it? Yeah, right. <laughs> but um, your next was really fun to watch everyone die. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just different. Yeah, there, there's no blunders on heads in this movie. Um, do you think maybe we should uh, roll onto the spoilers? Yeah, let's do spoilers. Um, All right. From this point forward, we're gonna spoil a horrible way to die. If you haven't seen it yet. And you probably haven't. No one's seen this. No one's seen this movie. So <laughs> except us. <laughs> but, yeah. But, okay, so maybe you should stop it here. Everyone else, plunge ahead with us. Okay. Okay. So a horrible way to die ends pretty much the exact same way that your next does. <laughs> in that it kind of does, doesn't it? It does. The twist is the exact same. Except and, I didn't see this one coming. Yeah, I didn't see this one coming. Either. I saw your next coming. I didn't. But then once, but I saw this after your next. So once the ending was revealed and in a horrible way to die, I was like, of course, <laughs> because your ne- um your next ends that one of the brothers and his girlfriend secretly planned the whole thing to get an inheritance and is killing everyone in his family or paying people to kill everyone in his family, and a horrible way to die ends that her Sarah's new boyfriend apparently is a serial killer groupie tracked her down and has now lured her to kill her as punishment for having put her ex-boyfriend who he idolizes behind bars yeah with his groupie buddies i what no (laughs) okay but it did it gave okay did it seem really strange why did they let this guy in alcoholics anonymous like did he develop alcoholism just for the sake of yeah of tracking down this this girl and didn't she change her name yeah okay that part was kind of what what really what the only thing was it was completely not foreshadowed no no yeah yeah not a minute sent spent on the possibility that he could possibly be up to something. You yeah, you would think that a guy who worships serial killers would have some more there'd be more evidence lying around. Yeah. Um yeah. But it it did I will say this about the twist. Um while I thought the boyfriend being a serial killer groupie was kind of stupid, um by kinda, I mean really. It was incredibly stupid. It was very, very, very stupid. It did give an opportunity for, I thought, the serial killer's glowing moment in the film. Um, Which was when he killed all of them. Yeah, and you kind of get to see all of this from his perspective. Um, when So it turns out that the serial killer... It turns out that the boyfriend has been writing letters to the serial killer saying, you know, I'm going to put the girl who put you in prison behind bars. I'm going to get revenge for you. And the serial killer broke out of prison to go rescue his girlfriend, his ex-girlfriend. And you hear him. um, And when the the serial killer shows up at this cabin where they're going to kill the the girlfriend, he's um, the, the way he explains this is I thought really interesting. You know, he says the thing about how he, he's not mad about being sent to prison because in prison he couldn't hurt anybody and being in solitary. He also says that by being in a relationship with Sarah, he, he was breaking a contract. Yeah. And I thought that was actually pretty compelling. He yeah. says the, the serial killer Garrick 
says, by being in a relationship with her, I was in a, I had agreed to a contract that I was normal and that we would have a good life together and that we would have a normal life together. Mm-hmm. And obviously I violated that contract because I was actually a serial killer and I was killing people. And once I was in prison, I was safe from hurting other people. I couldn't act on this compulsion. Um, and I only broke out of prison to try to free her because she didn't do anything wrong yeah. by turning me in since I violated that contract. Was there no better way to show that, though, by then giving him all of that dialogue? Yeah. that he, This is a serial killer with some incredible depth, <laughs> emotional depth and ability to express himself clearly. And, like, and I thought that, like, a lack of empathy was a trait of a serial killer. Yeah, this like, has yeah. tremendous empathy. It's like, you know what? I really understand why you wouldn't want to be with me when I was actually a serial killer. I see why that would be a really hard thing to go through. What? He's a serial killer. Okay, I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not exactly arguing for its believability. Um, I guess what I was just – and we've – Louise and I have complained about this off podcast before. I guess I am just so sick of the sexy serial killer who gets his kicks by toying with police and being smarter than everybody and killing in a really methodical way. And, you know, you're kind of supposed to root for him, but not really. I guess I'm just so sick of this, that, that sick of that, that seeing something that was the exact opposite, like someone who didn't get a kick out of it and didn't like what he was doing and it wasn't fun and he wasn't... He doesn't kill creatively. He just killed with whatever means are available. Yeah, I think that something that was so is so diametrically opposed to the typical Hollywood serial killer. I think that was what I liked so much. Okay, I agree. I did think, I thought that was interesting and creative and really genre-bending in a lot of ways. I just wish, first of all, the ending could have been foreshadowed better. Yeah. That there had been a little bit less clumsy execution with him, with Garrick explaining all of his motivations. Yeah, yeah. Because I, that, I, I didn't buy that. Um... Yeah, and I didn't. I also didn't know what I was supposed to take away from this movie. I didn't know what the point was. What do you mean? I just. Do you ever feel like that at, at the end of a movie where you walk away, <laughs> and you're like, "It was over." Yeah. And what? And then it was over. Yeah, you're like, "Well, that movie's finished now." Well, I, I definitely wasn't thinking about it for days later. Um, yeah, I. Maybe if it had been foreshadowed better, or if. There had been, or maybe if Sarah's character had been changed in such a way that she was too trusting and that's how she kept finding herself in these situations and she learned something about herself or has to grapple with some component of herself. She does, she is pretty passive, isn't she? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're following a character for two hours who just bumps around apparently befriending lots of serial killers. Yeah. And being lured into their clutches, which I didn't, I, I thought her character, I thought she was well acted, but her character had no agency. She no, just sort of no. drunkenly accidentally dated a serial killer for a while, and then she drunkenly accidentally started dating a new serial killer. And I just, I don't know. I wasn't, I didn't really, I felt like there wasn't anything for me to bite down on in this movie. I, I felt just, like it needed an, what? Yeah. It, it needed, the, the script needed a little, the script needed some doctoring. Like, there were some really, I, I guess that's the number one thing. And it, it kind of comes down to a lot of what we are talking about, um, your next. Like, there were some really good ideas here. Yeah. They just, they just needed, just a little undercooked. Yeah, that's what I feel like, too. Like, this, clearly this was a movie that was just trying to sprint towards its big finish. Yeah. And surprise us. Yeah. Um, 
but it ended up the, the the big finish was totally too different, not well enough foreshadowed for me to care that much. Yeah. So I don't know. I wasn't. I didn't fall in love with a horrible way to die, but I think that what a horrible way to die is, and your next is also, is you see it as a smart horror director working out some of the kinks and figuring out what makes for good horror and what doesn't, both in terms of a chamber piece, like a horrible way to die, um, and more of a madcap studio horror piece, like your next. Mm -hmm. Um, And both of them are interesting, and I'm really curious to see... I'll be really curious to see what he does next. Yeah. I think his best film is definitely ahead of him. I, um, I think that these are both uh, these are both decent movies. I would say, like, n- n- I didn't see anything in either one that I was just appalled at. Um, they're both decent horror movies. They're both good entries. Um, and I, I think his best work is ahead of him. He's young, and I can't wait to see what he's got coming up next. And uh, I think I think it'll be good. I think he can only really go up. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's right. Weinzard. Well, if, for more of Beth and Louise Hate Movies, you should check us out on our blog, bethandlouisehatemovies.blogspot.com. Or follow us on Twitter at B and L Hate Movies. You can also send us an email to Beth and Louise Hate Movies at gmail.com. Um, and we'll be look, we, uh, leave us a review on iTunes as well. Um, give us ideas for what movies you want to see us reviewed next. Um, and also just leaving us a review helps us out because, uh, it helps generate more audience, more of an audience for our podcast. So, uh, throw us a bone. Help us it out. It helps us know what we can, what we can fix and, uh, make the show better. So, yeah. Yeah, some ideas. Let us know. See y'all. All right, we're out.